G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to know more about our church, then please visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon focuses on Psalm 32, which reads, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my, groan- through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped in the- as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you, while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Enjoy the sermon. Well, today is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent is a 40-day season in the life of many Christian communities, where we spend time in prayer, fasting, and doing what we can to focus on God. The season lasts between Ash Wednesday, which was last Wednesday, and Easter Sunday, but it doesn't include the six Sundays that fall between Ash Wednesday and Easter, because these are feast days. On these Sundays, we celebrate that Jesus has risen from the dead, and so we don't fast on Sundays. Today we're launching a new series called Lent for Everyone, which takes us on a journey through the Psalms. The Psalms are a collection of poems or songs right in the heart of the Bible. We read them during Sunday services every week because the people who formed our prayer book loved the Psalms. Christians through the ages have been captured by the Psalms because they express the full gamut of human emotion. There are angry psalms, happy psalms, sad psalms, joyful psalms, funny psalms, and psalms so angry that they should come with a health warning. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want, is a favorite at funerals. And Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, is a sad song that Bonnie M made into a best-selling pop song. Because the psalms are so good at putting into words what we experience... They are a perfect companion through Lent. As I said last week, Lent is a roller coaster ride because it takes us through the ups and downs of Jesus' life, ending in his death and resurrection. Today we're looking at Psalm 32, which is a great place to start because it's all about confession. Psalm 32 is written by David, the guy who famously killed Goliath. He probably wrote it later in life when he became King David. It's a mascal, which means to understand. Many see this as a wisdom poem, and we can break it down into four parts. Verses 1 to 2 are about wisdom. 3 to 5 are about thanksgiving. 
6 to 7, another prayer of thanksgiving. And 8 to 10, sum up the wisdom found through an experience of confession. Verse 11 puts a full stop, a summary on the psalm. So we're going to break this psalm down into its parts and see what this ancient poem has to teach us about confession and life today. The opening verses of Psalm 32 begin with a statement about what confession brings. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Now this is a big statement in 2020. We often think of forgive we don't we don't often think about forgiven people as blessed. We think of them as lucky, possibly insincere or untrustworthy. Not blessed. People who need to ask for forgiveness are often seen as blubbering idiots who need to suck it up and do better next time. We live in a world that doesn't really have time for sinners because we are good people. And good people are secure in themselves. Bad people like drug dealers and criminals, they might need forgiveness, but not us. We've never murdered anyone and we don't steal and we're totally fine without religious guilt. Thank you very much. Today, blessed people are the ones who live in nice houses, go for luxury holidays, and enjoy perfect health. Blessed people go to the gym, eat healthy, and their kids are the best at everything. While I was working on this sermon, an ad popped up for blessed protein. It's a picture of a model who has a cute dog, works out lots, and drinks blessed protein. This probably sums up, for a lot of people, what blessedness looks like in 2020. But again, King David writes, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. This is a radically countercultural poem. It doesn't conform to our Instagram or tabloid understanding of what it means to be blessed. This person values having a clean slate with God above being adored by everyone else. Now this statement isn't made in a vacuum. It's not made in a take it or leave it way. We're about to find out why such confession leaves someone blessed. Verses 3 to 5 are all about thanksgiving. Once upon a time there was an African man called Augustine. He was blessed by today's understanding in every way. He was attractive, rich, and powerful in his community. He drank and partied a lot, had a mistress or two, and though his mom was a Christian, he was totally self-sufficient and didn't need religion in his life. One day he heard about two men who weren't nearly as smart or blessed as he was, who had been reading about the life of St. Anthony and were converted. He was stunned, so he said to his friend Alypius, Unlearned people are taking heaven by force, while we, with all our knowledge, are so cowardly that we keep rolling around in the mud of our sins. It was here that Augustine went on a journey of self-discovery, and he cried out to God, How long more, Lord? Why does today put an end to my sins? It was at this moment that he heard a child singing beyond the walls, Take up and read. So he grabbed his mother's Bible and read the letters of Paul where it told him to give up impurity and to live in imitation of Jesus. Augustine went on the journey that David goes on here when he writes, verses 3 and 4, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of summer. Selah. This word selah is another musical term which we think was used kind of like a rest. It means stop, be silent and think about what has just been sung. We see the word three times in Psalm 32 as we reflect on this journey of finding forgiveness. David tried to bottle up his sins. He writes that his bones wasted away. He was being eaten up inside. Today we might call this depression or dysphoria. It's a dissatisfaction with life caused by the understanding that I'm not the person I want to be. Everyone around me seems like a good person and is getting along just fine. So why do I hate myself sometimes? Why do I feel like a failure no matter how hard I try? Why don't I feel like the winner I'm supposed to be? If you feel this way sometimes, you're not alone. If you feel imperfect or unworthy or unfulfilled sometimes, you're not alone. It's right here in the Bible. This person is feeling tired and stressed like they've just done a marathon on a hot Dolby day. But confession happens. Verse 5, then I acknowledge my sin to you and do not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Their life is transformed. Not by a change in their circumstances or by a change in the world around them, but by the power of God. They confessed and the Lord forgave. Selah. Pause and calmly think of that. Verses 6 and 7 are a call for us to confess our sins to God too. Verse 6. Therefore let everyone who is, un- who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach them. You are my right hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Often we think of godly people as perfect, stuck-up people. People so naive and sheltered, they don't really understand the world. They look down on others, and their lives are controlled by lists of don'ts. Here the Bible tells us that to be godly is to have a relationship with God, no matter how messy. Being godly is not about what you do, it's about who you are in relationship with. There's a warning here. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him or them. It's saying here that our time to confess is running out. As the mighty waters rose around unrepentant people during the flood in Noah's time, our lives are running out. If we don't find refuge in God now, we may not reach him later. This is why verse 7 describes God as a hiding place. A protection from trouble. Someone who surrounds us with songs of deliverance. This is why we confess our sins every Sunday in church. Some churches have dropped a time of general confession, worrying that it makes people feel bad. But this is not the purpose of confession. Our regular prayer of confession is one of the most honest and raw prayers. Merciful God, our maker and our judge, we have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. This is an honest look at our lives and an acknowledgement that we're not perfect. We've broken our relationships with God by living as if he doesn't matter. 
But when we confess our sins, something amazing happens. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Every Sunday we walk away from this place forgiven people. That's what the prayer of absolution is all about. Almighty God, who has promised forgiveness to all who turn to him in faith, pardon you and set you free from all your sins. We don't say these prayers because we like boring repetition. We say them week after week so they work their way from our heads to our hearts and into our souls. This is why I need to check myself regularly to make sure that I'm not just saying the words. Instead, I'm coming before God and pouring out my heart to him. Our Roman Catholic sisters and brothers regularly confess that... (coughs) Regularly confess their sins to a priest in a process called confession or reconciliation. In the Anglican tradition, we confess our sins publicly and as a united body, regularly in worship. But I might add that I would, if you would like to privately and confidentially confess something to God with me, Zoe, or someone else on our staff team, then please let us know. In our prayer book, there is a service for private confession. And if you would like to do that this Lent, I encourage you to let us know. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. And God is waiting to forgive us when we are ready to say sorry. Having backed up the claim that confession is a good thing, David gives us a final nugget of wisdom in verses 8 to 10. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. These are words of encouragement and comfort. Verse 8 can also be translated as I will keep my loving eye on you. God is, God is here for us, watching us in love. We come to him in confession, knowing that we have not always done the right thing by God or those around us. But we know that God doesn't look at us with hatred and disgust. Instead, he looks at us with love. God will guide us through Lent and he will guide us through our lives as long as we learn to put our lives in his hands. Verse 9 is a bit of a joke. Sometimes we can think people who don't confess are strong pillars of independence and self-confidence. But they're described here as donkeys. It's a bit like the billboard. This year thousands of men will die of stubbornness. And someone graffitied, no we won't. Many think they understand the world better than anyone and need no forgiveness. But in fact, in God's eyes, they have no understanding. Confession may seem like a weak thing to do, but here it's people who refuse to repent, who won't say sorry, who won't confess when they've done something wrong, that are destined to a life of sadness, frustration and pain. On the other hand, when we draw near to God, his unfailing love and kindness wraps us up, bringing freedom and joy. Verse 11 sums up the outcome of confession. Joy. 
Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. The path to a blessed life, the path to freedom, the path to joy doesn't begin with a lotto ticket, perfect health or vegan protein. The path to joy begins with confession and a right relationship with God. When you leave church this morning, you have the right to be the happiest person on earth. Because as you confess your sins to God, he frees you and gives you an upright heart. Be glad, friend, because God forgives you. Now at this point, you might be saying the opposite. You might not be a mule. You might not not want to confess your sins. You might feel unworthy. You might be saying, hold on, David. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the darkest parts of my heart. I can't forgive myself, let alone God for that matter. And what would God know about forgiveness anyway? He's sitting up on a cloud in total moral perfection. God doesn't know or care what it's like to live in a world where even my best efforts aren't enough. To this I'd answer, you're right. You're right to think this way. The psalm is chipper and bright. But on its own, it doesn't seem to reflect the realities of life. It's here that I would say that the Bible is your best weapon against condemnation and self-loathing, and Jesus is your best friend. In our gospel reading, we see Jesus being tempted for 40 days and nights straight. Jesus was hungry, lonely, and feeling broken. Then the devil came and tried to make him stumble. The devil mocked him and tried to twist God's words into condemning Jesus, tempting him to test God and sin. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus knows what it's like to be at the end of your rope and to have a voice in your head that says you are scum, you are dirty, useless, and you'll never amount to anything. Jesus knows hatred, depression, and shame. But Jesus didn't fall. He resisted temptation in the wilderness. And at the cross, Jesus' perfect life is imputed, passed on to us. We can be forgiven by God because of Jesus. Romans 8.1 reminds us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. 1 John 2.1 says that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. Jesus' blood covers our sin and when we draw near to God and ask for his forgiveness, Jesus says to his dad, Dad, she's with me. My perfect record is now hers. Let's walk together in the freedom of forgiveness. It's all right now. One day you will stand in God's courtroom, and if your trust is in yourself, you will be found wanting. God's standard of perfection is too high for even the most perfect person. But if your trust is in Jesus... You'll confess that you need forgiveness and Jesus will take you by the hand and bring you into the joy of God's loving presence. So friends, as we begin this journey through Lent, let's remember that our relationship with God begins and is sustained in continuous confession, turning away from sin and drawing ever nearer to God in the way we think and the way we live. 
Confession is the path to joy. Knowing that God loves you, warts and all. Knowing that you're forgiven thanks to Jesus. No matter who you are or what you've done, God is ready to forgive you when you say sorry to him and draw near to him in prayer. Confession is the path into God's heart. Let's pray to him now.